Hey, Nothing is Wasted family, it's official. We have just launched our Nothing is Wasted community groups platform, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. What if you could find true, authentic community in the midst of your valley? Imagine walking this journey with people who are also walking the same valley as you and are committed to helping each other move through it in a God-honoring way. Imagine getting hopeful encouragement and helpful advice from folks who are just a little further along in the journey. Now, we've been imagining it for years now, and we're thrilled that it's finally become a reality in the form of Nothing is Wasted community groups. To join the groups, all you have to do is go to nothingiswasted.com slash community groups, click on join a group, and then it'll take you into the portal to create a login and a profile. From there, you can join a group or a couple of groups that apply to you and you can start making some connections. We believe there's going to be so much healing and so many lifelong friendships that come out of this. I can't wait to see what God does through it. Again, it's nothingiswasted.com slash community groups. Can't wait to see you there. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey. I'm your host. And joining me, Maria Hatchbowersock. Hello. Maria, great to have you again. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Glad to be here. We have an awesome interview today. Yes, we do. Casey Van Norman. Yes. So she'll be on here. And she just wrote a book called Nothing yeah. Wasted. Right. Which so I mean, you know, nothing is wasted podcast. We were like, as soon as we saw it, we we're like, we've got to have her on. I know. It's and, very fitting. Well, and so here's the thing. I thought it would be kind of cool and a good idea to go back to the basics for this podcast and yeah. kind of talk a little bit about, you know, what's what's the concept of this? Yeah. Nothing is wasted. What does that mean? Yeah, and, that's really good. You know, the idea of nothing is wasted means that simply God doesn't waste our pain. Yeah. That, Or, you know, we could say no pain is in vain. Good. That we're going to walk through tragedy and trial and trauma and all kinds of different difficulties in life, but God turns that around for good. He doesn't waste any of mm-hmm. the you know, raw materials of what we're walking through. He turns it around for redemptive purposes. And so you know, we, when, when we were waiting in the hospital, those 24 hours with Amanda mm-hmm. uh, is really when the idea of nothing is wasted came about. Mm-hmm. Um, we were, we were waiting there, waiting for test results to come back, seeing if there was any brain activity and just kind of begging the Lord yeah. one to show up and perform a miracle two right. to show us what in the world, you know, in those situations, you're like, what is going on? I just right. need some kind of direction or comfort here. And we put, uh, we put her, her phone on her, um, uh, the bed and we turn it Pandora music on, which mm-hmm. like Pandora radio, you know, it just works yeah. randomly. And she used to run and she would listen to Elevation Worship on mm-hmm. Pandora. So we turned that channel on. And the first song that popped up was the song from Elevation Worship, Nothing is Wasted. Oh, my goodness. So in that moment, it's like God descended into that moment and spoke to us and, and comforted our hearts that this was not going to be wasted. And Amazing. what was even more profound about that is what Amanda did as um, kind, of, kind of a hobby, but also a business. She would restore furniture. 
Oh my word. So she would pick up these, you know, pieces of furniture off the side of the road or she would go purchase some real cheap from somebody and they would be these this junk that people discarded. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, who would ever want this? And she would literally she would tell me this over and over. Davey, give me a little time and trust me and I'll turn this into something beautiful. And so for us, that's what became kind of the theme that God was speaking to us about the situation, saying, guys, I know this is really hard. I know this yeah. seems discarded. I know this seems like the world I right. mean, like says this is the worst situation ever. Give me a little time and trust me and I'll turn it into something yeah. beautiful. That is beautiful. And you know what? I just had this thought as you were telling that yeah. is like even Amanda's life yeah. is so a part of this. Right. Right. And just like what God was doing even before yeah. her passing. Well, what's cool about Nothing Is Wasted in the ministry that is flourishing and blooming out of Nothing Is Wasted is, yeah, it started because of the tragedy and of Amanda's life and her legacy. Mm-hmm. But the it's 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 it has the heartbeat of Amanda and that it's not about her or right. it's not about us, it's not about our story, it's about helping Right. Everybody share their stories right. to encourage people in their hardship. Which is amazing. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Yeah. So that's kind of the roots. That's that's back to the basics of nothing is wasted. You've probably listened to this podcast, you know, all the episodes, and you didn't even know that that was the case. Mm-hmm. But now you know, and you can explain to people, what is nothing is wasted? This is what that's it means. What it God means. doesn't waste our pain. Romans 8, 28. Yep. Right? He works all things together for the good of those who love him who've been called according to his purpose. And um, and and Casey has a book, Nothing Wasted, and she talks quite a bit about this as well and shares her story with us. But before we step into that conversation with her, uh, I want to ask you to go and rate and review the podcast on iTunes. We would love to hear your reviews. We, it encourages us so much. I can't tell you, just to be honest and real with you guys, there are times that, you know, I'll get off of a stage from speaking. I know this is probably the case mm-hmm. for you too, where we get done you know, really pouring our hearts out and putting ourselves out there vulnerably. Mm-hmm. And we're like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Like, right. is this really making an impact? Is this helping? And when you rate and review, it's those things. It helps us. Yep. We go back and read those and we go, this really is making an impact. Yeah. This really is helping people. You know, and on top of that, it helps to push this up into yep. visibility on iTunes. So, other people can access this, these conversations and this this kind of hope and healing. So go and do that. We'd love if this is ministered to you for you to do that. Yeah. And along those same lines, same thing with following us on Instagram. You know, it's not just a follow that we're after. We want to connect with you and we want to hear from you. So when you follow and you comment and you like and you let us hear from you, that, that does the same thing, mm. what Davy said. You know, is this making a difference? Um, so we love to hear from you. Um, so now... Let's listen in to Davy's conversation with Casey. It's a good one. Casey, it's so great to have you on the podcast. Thank you for joining me. I am so excited to be here. This <laughs> All is the awesome. way from College Station, <laughs> Texas. And this is going to be an exciting weekend that you and this I. This is are... a big weekend. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like we're joined in this weekend, we even though we're miles are. apart. I know, I know. What the what the listener needs to understand is that at the time of this recording, we are about to walk into the University of Alabama playing Texas A and M in college football at College Station, right? 
It is at it, Yes, 12 miles from my house. Ooh. It's going to be um, heated. <laughs> this is going to be a heated conversation. Oh, this is going to be an extremely <laughs> heated conversation. Oh, man. No, and and I think if you've never been like this, people who know football with, I mean, this yeah. is a big deal. This is a huge deal. I think people, all, there's different parts of the country where like football. What do you, why is that yeah. such a, no, where, where you are in Texas, yes. I mean, it is football nation where I grew up in Alabama. It is. You, it's it's God down there. Yes, now, to yes. a lot of people, it shouldn't be God. I mean, it's off it the is. rails. I mean, it yeah, it gets crazy and stupid. Let's be real. But and I'm not real hardcore about it at all because we live here. Like we're every day. We're like, oh my gosh, yeah, can yeah. you college? There's so many wrecks. You know, when yeah. our stay of school, there are like 25 wrecks. On. Yeah, oh, don't man. leave your house. But anyway, we love our college students. We have 75,000 in the backyard, so it's great. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Casey, you have this incredible story. You have uh, written in a very raw and real and vulnerable way a lot of this story where you you dove into this. And this book is called Nothing Wasted, which we've laughed about a little bit off the air, of course, because of the name of the podcast, Nothing Is Wasted. And so when, when we learned of your book and what you're doing in this ministry, that you are, are this message you're spreading, this ministry that you're carrying, we were like, oh my gosh, we've got to like have a conversation about this. And so this is going to be an absolute blast. But before yeah. we before we dive into this book that you just released, I want to just hear about you and your family. Let, let's just tell me about your life and what you guys do and tell me about what how's your family comprised and what yeah. does that look like? Well, first and foremost, thank you. Seriously, this is an honor and I don't take it lightly. And, you know, this message would have um, no voice if it were not for you. So thank you and this podcast. And I'm just so excited about it. And I just hope that it just um, meets readers right where they are. Um, But my family, uh, there's four of us. I have a husband. We've been married for almost 20 years now. And that is a large part of the Mm. story is our marriage and what we've been through together and how we almost lost our marriage and how the Lord rescued us and saved Mm. us and restored us. And um, it's been proof of His existence in every way. And we have been so fortunate to have two kiddos. Mm. Uh, I have a son who is a second baseman ball slamming kiddo who um, loves baseball. His name is Lake. Yeah, Lake Van Norman. a lot in common because I was a baseball player, played through college. So that's my sport. Yes. Oh my goodness. So the fact that that you're a baseball mom, I am like, let's go. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, because baseball moms, we're in a league of our own. You are in a league of your own. Absolutely. My mom still calls me almost every week and she's like, I miss just watching your games. I miss just going. (laughs) Oh, going to be me. (laughs) It's so going to be me because, you know, every baseball mom thinks their kid is going to play in college and go on to, yeah. So that's where we're at right now. And he's 11. It's fine. Oh, fine. Um, Anyway, and then I have a 14-year-old daughter, Emma Grace, Mm. and she is exactly how you feel when you hear Emma Grace. Mm. She is that. She is um, wonderful and calm and uh, lovely and conservative and everything I'm not. So... (laughs) Uh, Uh, We love her. And we live in College Station. We've been here for 10 years. My husband um, is a an ag guy and equestrian therapist. He is a cowboy (laughs) and he works in sales in the ag business. So true, true cowboy wears a belt with bling to hold his pants up. Wow. Not because, yeah, not because he rodeos, but because he worked cows with his belt and his jeans and he looks good in some Wranglers. He really does. (laughs) 
Um, and anyway, we just love life. We, uh, we have a nonprofit and uh, we employ women out of incarceration and wow. they come and they live and they work in our, in our backyard, <laughs> literally on our farm. And we just take time to love them and mm. um, tell them the truth about who they are in Christ and be with them and do community with them and just give them a second chance. Wow. So um, it's great. It's the greatest um, thing we've ever done. And it's just so cool to see God Man. full circle um, That's in our life and do things that we never expected or thought possible yeah. because of the life that we've had. So yeah, yeah it's really, really um, his faithfulness in every way, in every way. How long have you guys had the farm where you are employing these ladies who've just... It's about two years. Okay. About two years. I started working. So I'm a licensed chemical dependency counselor and a rehab therapist. And so I started working right out of college uh, in grief counseling was my specialty. Mm -hmm. At first I worked for hospice and um, did that for a few years. And then I moved into working with reentry. So inmates Mm -hmm. uh, coming back into society and having no one and most struggling with past addiction. And these were all places of my own life. I was still working out, which you tend to do as a therapist when you go into counseling. It's because you have seen the benefits firsthand of counseling and you've been in a lot of therapy yourself. So that's what I did. And I love, and I just, I love people and I love to um, watch their story unfold and just lights come on in their mind Mm. as they encounter the truth and begin to really deal with um, the lies that we believed, you know, and and what what has been the consequences of those lies our whole life and patterns we've been in and to see God break those things, not by any account of me, but just by someone staying long enough in their life. Wow, yeah. You know, to see things that could, things could be different. So um, mm. anyway, we just have a really huge need. We have uh, here in our, in Bryan College Station, we have the, one of the third, the third highest population of inmates Oh, wow. uh, in the state of Texas and very, very few housing and jobs for incarcerated people. So mm. uh, we just saw a need and we do it very small, one, two, three at a time, but um, we love it. It's been really rewarding. Wow. Blessed us like crazy. So wow. anyway. That's so incredible. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm really fascinated by kind of the, the intricacies of your story because there's some, you know, some major things that you've walked through throughout the course of your yeah. life. And obviously a lot of that, then you were just alluding to became an inspiration for you as you were finding healing and recovery from a lot of that stuff and then wanting to impart that into other people. Um, but can you just for, for our listener, just take us back and, and begin to kind of walk us through a timeline of some of these, some of these major things specifically that you write about, you know, you write about uh, just a really difficult childhood that you had, you write about almost losing your marriage, and then this also a, a pretty arduous struggle with and battle against cancer. Yeah. So just kind of take us along this timeline cuz man you yeah. you've you've definitely walked a journey for sure. Yeah. I yes, thank you for um <laughs> helping me remember some of those things. Sometimes it feels <laughs> like a soap opera. I, some of the people who've read the book mm. in the advanced copy, they text me like I feel like this is should be a movie. I can't even yeah that go from chapter to chapter to chapter and go, is this still the same person? Yeah, that's and that's, it. yeah exactly. You're like, it this sounds is, feels like crazy, several different but, lives. Yeah. 
Yeah. But you know what? Everybody is, everybody in their life has this stuff. We Mm. have this buildup of brokenness and pain and suffering. And this is what I love about who Jesus is, is that he tells stories and parables Mm. predominantly because he knows that's the part of us that's the same. Mm. Our story, all of this place is the same within us, despite how it looks on the outside. And so I do feel like I've lived um, a little bit of a soap opera and uh, multiple lives in one, but I also wrote this book because I trust the Lord and know that that's been his plan from the beginning. Mm. Um, And I, so I grew up in uh, what I call the AAA threat, which is abandonment, abuse, and alcoholism. And uh, that was just kind of my childhood was you know, this sounds really, as a counselor, I can tell you it's really common that you will have someone say, I just had a dysfunctional childhood. Mm. And so most of us do. And I am probably a dysfunctional parent from, you know, with my two kids a lot of the time. And uh, a part of my story is that I've received a ton of insight and reflection on my parents. And I knew, I know now that they were loving me to the extent that they had been loved Mm. themselves. And that was really, um, I don't know that either one of my parents had ever experienced unconditional love, truly. So that just left a lot of gaps, Mm. a lot of gaps that I, unfortunately in our home as a child, the Lord, you know, did not fill, uh, for them in reality. You know, we were very religious. We were very religious family and we were at church serving every time the doors were open, Mm. but there's a difference between knowing God and walking with him as in religion as a concept and as a reality default position of our life. And so my parents both just struggled. Um, We just had a really toxic home environment Mm. and um, they were still young and got married young. And my dad was working out a lot of things and, um, my dad spiraled with in depression on the low end mm. of alcoholism and um, abandonment and leaving and and isolation. And my mom was high, a manic, um, mm. just busy, always doing stuff, always getting us in the next thing. And so I just say, you know, kind of a part of our drug was chaos. And that's what I learned. That was my learned pattern yeah. of coping with this um wound in this gaping hole in my heart, which is the question that all of us ask Mm. every single one of us, do I belong? Do I, Mm. we get up every single day and we ask the same question, where do I belong? Where do I fit? Who's going to love me on my worst day? And so I'm not asking any question that none of us are, you know, not, but when you're 13, 14 and 15 and you don't have a developed prefrontal cortex to tell you the answer, you know, that's coming in all shapes and sizes and forms of messaging at you. Mm. And part of that for me was, Hey, we're at church and I want to believe you, God. I mean, I remember, I remember vividly being nine years old and just sitting in church and, and running down the, down the, uh, down the pews, to the altar, to my pastor and saying, I want to go to heaven when I die. Mm. I want to know the Lord. And as far as I knew, I meant that. I meant that with every part of my being. And um, at 15, this is a big part of my story is uh, my my parents did divorce and it was really, really rocky Mm. in my home. And uh, we lived in a low income neighborhood and 
my parents worked for every penny that, you know, we earned. And uh, the oldest of three, I saw some stuff that, you know, I just was always in protector mode, always in mm. fixer mode, never wanted my younger siblings to experience what I saw. Um, it just never left me time to, time to downshift. But when I was at church, I really wanted that life, yeah. whatever this Disneyland life was of pretty people. I wanted that for myself. So I thought, I'll just keep going. You know, mm. I'll just keep going until it's true. And that's what I did. And I showed up and specifically a big moment in my life, turning point in my life. I was 15 and I went to a True Love Weights conference, which mm, will be very yeah. familiar to mm-hmm. many people that <laughs> grew up in the 80s and Absolutely. 90s. It was a big deal. And for those of you who've never heard of a True Love Weights conference, you basically go to this conference and um, there's this, at that time, it was a a true event right. that toured through right. your city and came to your church. And so there were these beautiful young men, you know, like eight Justin Bieber's on the stage. <laughs> and, and here we are, you know, 15, 16, 17, getting our ring that says we're going to not have sex until we're married mm-hmm. and we're going to stay pure. And we're looking at these guys <laughs> and walking down, making this promise like, oh, well, do I, I get you at the end of my <laughs> abstinence, you know? Well, it's anyway, very ironic, but, um, (laughs) I, for what it's worth, I meant it. I mean, I was 15 and I put that ring on my finger and I meant my promise to God, Hey, I am going to keep myself pure and I mean it. And, um, three months, almost to the day after that conference, I was molested Mm. and sexually, um, abused by an older man. Mm. And, so I, I, I truly want you to know when I say that, I, f- I still feel, I mean, this mm. is the, the imprint that trauma does to your system. It right. stays with you. It stays, this is one of the whole reasons why we talk about what we do is right. nothing is wasted because it's still a part of your life. It is yeah. forever a part of your life. And that moment is still, if I, you know, pause for too long, I can remember, right. you know, um, the senses of, of that moment. But here was the big spiral for me and what changed everything was that that experience happened. It was traumatic. It was brutal. It was evil. Mm. Um, I was a victim in every sense of the word. And, but in that moment throughout the rest of my high school years, what I would say is God, I kept my promise, Mm. but you did not keep yours. Mm. you and that's what it felt wow. like yeah. and so now i'm just mad yeah you know i'm just mad right i'm mad at i'm not mad at the guy i'm mad at god mm. because he let it happen mm-hmm. so now what does a teenager do when they're mad at god yeah well they True just bell. you just, know yeah they do whatever they want mm-hmm. they do whatever the heck they want because now they're proving to themselves the lie yeah Oh my gosh, I have a teenager, so I'm constantly praying that she would know who she is and that that would dictate uh, everything that she does Mm, instead of reversing, like for me. So I just went off the rails. I mean, I did. I just wanted anything to fill that void. And here I've just got this gaping wound of of abandonment and rejection. And all this is doing is affirming, hey, you're not wanted. God really doesn't have any use for you. And um, 
now no guy's going to want you. Mm. Like what guy in his right mind would want a used thing? Mm. Unfortunately, this is the story for so many women that I uh, do life with and counsel. Um, And a part of my, but a part of my story and not for everyone is that I did meet this great guy. I met uh, a man who had saved himself from marriage truly and and he came from a wonderful family and uh, loved the Lord and it was sincere and he was so uh, different than any man I'd ever met because he needed nothing from me. And there was nothing that I could do that would throw him off track. I mean, there was no form of manipulation that I had learned all of my tactics mm-hmm. um, that he would cave to. I mean, he would stop things before they even had a chance to happen. He wouldn't argue with me. He wouldn't give in to my chaos because mm. I learned a part of my self-preservation was to create chaos around the lie. Right. So I never had to slow down long enough to look at it. Mm. And he just constantly called my bluff, dude. It was crazy and made me so mad. <laughs> and, um, I just found myself keeping a lot of things from him. I, I didn't want him to know what I had done, mm. all the stupid choices I had made, the promiscuity, the partying, the drinking, um, every version of myself that I didn't want to be, that I tampered with. And mm. so I didn't tell him. I married him hoping mm. that he would uh, distract others, actually. Mm. Um, I loved him from what I knew of love. Mm-hmm. I loved him to that extent. And then I, I secretly hoped that his goodness would throw others off of my, you know, my darkness. Mm. And, and it did for a time, but here is, (laughs) oh gosh, so good. He does not let us sin successfully and he will bring an end he brings an end and it's all different. It's the timing yeah. is different for all of us. We're all on a different journey of yeah. faithfulness and growth and sanctification. And I love that. I want to, you know, continue to preach that because that just levels the playing field at the foot of the cross. Yeah. It really does. None of us are here or here. We're all just in a different place with the Lord, what what he is speaking to us and saying to us. And so Um, For me, I just needed a radical, radical encounter with Mm. grace. I had spent my whole life believing in God, and I never believed Him. And so I needed something significant to throw me off center Mm. long enough, which is what trauma is, by the way. it's, It's an overwhelming of our reality so that that reality can no longer be. That's all it is. So we've all experienced a trauma. It's just an overwhelming of our senses of what our emotional language can say and put language to so that that can no longer stay the same. Wow. And it's, it's extremely loving of the Lord to give us trauma hmm. because he's, he's telling us something about himself in every single painful experience. And um, I'm sorry that I'm talking so long. No, this <laughs> no, is amazing. Let me sum, I let me need sum you to, this up. Here's what I need you to do first is, is break, break out a little bit more of that statement you just made, that it's incredibly loving of the Lord to mm-hmm. give us trauma, especially from the definition that you just gave it, that, you, that it's an overwhelming measure of, you know, that across, above and beyond our senses can handle. Yes. Why is it loving for the Lord to give us that? That's an incredible statement. I did, it's yes. so laced. I mean, it is packed yeah. with 
with rich, rich so truth, good. but I want you to, I want you to unpack it for me. Well, I, here's why, here's why it's loving. Um, because we are, we live in a subjective world. We mm. only know what we know. We, we grow up with our family. We grow up with our parents. We have our own experiences in our own neighborhood and community. And that leaves us very one dimensional people. Yeah. But in fact, life is so complex and mm. so complicated at times, and it can't be boiled down just to our simple perspective. But unfortunately, that's what we do with God. Mm. We boil him down and we boil others down to this is, this is the way it is. Mm. And in that perspective of who God is, he is so one dimensional um, and he's a concept. He's just a concept. And so if God is a concept, we only reach for him when we need him. If God is a concept, then he is reactive. He is only in a state of reaction Mm -hmm. versus a sovereign, holy God who sees eternity. Mm. And as long as we are existing in that relation, that's no relationship. That's right. Yeah. Relationships are complex and they're diverse and sometimes we're wrong about things. and, and, And that is the God um, that I want to know yeah. that's who he is. I want him to be my reality, my default position so that when pain and suffering or offense yeah. comes into my life, I am rooted and grounded in who I am yeah, in that reality, not in the circumstances around me. Mm-hmm. And those are real and those are true. And I take those in and I allow them to affect me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not cold and calloused. I, I'm not a, I don't put up a ton of boundaries even, you know, I, I believe the Lord is so faithful in every single relationship and encounter in this podcast. And the girl I meet at the grocery store, if she stops me and needs me, I got to stop and I got to trust the Lord's going to redeem that time and buy back that time <laughs> because it all matters. Yeah, It is eternal. And if I can trust God from that place, wow, then that is real to me. That is real to me. And then, as you know, everything matters. Yep. Mm-hmm. Then everything matters. It's important. It's yeah. meaningful. I have purpose in my life. So why in the world would I want to serve a God who is not constantly mm. reminding me of that state of being? Wow. That I'm present, that I'm whole, that I'm here, that I'm a holistic being that is meant to be affected by you and Mm. you, me, and the energies change when I walk in the room and I'm completely connected to eternity Mm. all the time, all the time. And so that is what trauma is doing. It is helping us trust God more often. Yeah, that's great. Wow. And that isn't that all faith maturity is, right? Right. right. It's this invitation that God is and he's inviting us into this place to remember, hey, I I am what you need. All, all of me is what you, all of you needs. Not just this one aspect. I'm not just a genie you can, you know, rub a lamp and here I am. I'm going to yeah. grant your request when you're in in need. It's a I'm I'm here in all of this, but unfortunately we we lose sight of that when things are just mundane. Things are going smoothly. And so these, you're right, these, these instances, I mean, it's the old adage, right? Like God will never give you more than what you can handle. You know, it's like, <laughs> right. Uh, Read my book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, he's, he is going to allow those things. 
as yeah. a reminder and as an invitation to us to say, you can depend on me. You can trust in me. You can lean on me. You can, and, and in that we get this, this beautiful benefit of recognizing the satisfaction that we feel in those moments that we lean in during our trauma. And mm-hmm. we, and we can recognize we can, we can have this satisfaction always. Yes. Always. Mic drop. That's it. Always. Yeah. And it doesn't mean the circumstances are not painful. Right. Um, it means that God, just what you said, he wants to satisfy us. Mm. He doesn't want us to be these shallow, complacent, mediocre beings. Yeah. He wants to satisfy us greater than we can even fathom. And he knows that all we're going to do when we feel ashamed, <laughs> when we feel rejected, um, when we feel as though our life is just a bunch of scattered pieces that have no co- uh, cohesiveness, mm. he knows if we think that and if we feel that, we're just going to constantly be trying to tame our desires. Mm. And desires cannot be tamed. They must be satisfied. Wow. And that is what he is doing in our story, in our life. He is aligning us with experiences and people. And, and that's, this is what a trigger is, right? And mm. so this is what I would now shift into in my 20s is I would just kind of be for three years in a loop of triggers mm. where everything around me was calling me back to the truth. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Everything. Yes. I, I mean, for real. And... Which is funny you say, because so many times people will take a trigger and they'll cause that they'll allow that trigger to cause a lie inside of them that says that person who is triggering me is to blame for what I'm feeling right now. Right? It becomes this like you made me, right? And this no, is this, yes. this posture oh, how many of a victim. Have... You made me I can't believe you did this to me. You made the yeah. and and yet if we can look at the trigger from the different perspective, what you're saying here is this trigger is actually another invitation. For us to go, wait a minute, why did that trigger me? There's something that I need, some work I need to do on the inside and with the Lord to, because he's actually put this person there to confront Boom. the lie that I'm believing right now. Boom. Yes. Wow. So good. So Casey. good. That's exactly, it just wow. changes your perspective, you know, and maybe you've gotten this a lot too, but I, uh, especially uh, with a book coming out, this has come up quite a bit in interviews. Well, how can you say that, um, you know, your past, you're defined by your past or you're shaped by your past. I mean, Mm. we're so disconnected from this. I don't look that way anymore. I look Mm. forward and I move forward. And (laughs) well, number one, it's not biblical. Like God is so good and so clear about, um, the fact that he is so, faithful in the intentionality of every single thing that is happening Mm. um, and every person that we encounter. And then when you start to, I mean, go ahead and question God, go ahead and get mad at him, go ahead and ask him everything. I, I beg people Mm. go Mm -hmm. to your word and fight for truth, fight with him, like duke this out with God and let him take you down to the ground Yeah, Uh, because that's really when we'll see it. And it will become real to us is when we, that is it. And that is where I had to get because I had so many lies on repeat Mm. that I had actually fallen in love with the lie Mm. uh, more than God. And so if you were to ask me, Hey, uh, why did you cheat on your husband? Because I love my lie Mm. more than God, period. Why does anyone do anything that doesn't trust God? Mm. 
Why do we go shop more at Target on our credit card? Uh, why do we talk about somebody behind their back? Why do we church, hop from church to church to church and just not settle and be present and just give it our go? Why, you know, why mm. do we do anything that is not completely, totally trusting God at all times? Uh, it is because we love something more than Him. Wow. And that was where I was. And he is so good that he is my father. Mm. He is our father. He di- he disciplines us. Hebrews 12 tells us that everything, everything that's going on, even the most painful stuff is like a father disciplining, disciplining his mm. child. And what one of us does not want to be brought back in to the fold mm. of full acceptance, a place at the table, a full belonging, um, that this is who you are on your worst day. I am yeah. so safe, which means I will never use your honesty against you mm. ever. That's what God says to us. And wow. there's not one human being that can say that to us. Wow. That's and so I was looking for that in every human. Yeah. I mean, I was just, what can you, can you keep me safe? Can you keep me safe? Are you going to use this against me? Even mm. my parents, your spouse still on their best day, the people that you probably trust the most, they can never love you like God can love you wow. um, to this unconditional point. And I, I had to be brought really low uh, to finally grieve my sin. And, uh, you know, I, I talk at length. I give more detail probably than I should mm-hmm. <laughs> about my life because I, I, I just... I want people to know and I want people to connect to the honesty of my story and just to see that every room in my house is open and the light is on yeah. and I have zero to hide and I walk in such absolute freedom Yeah, that's it. Uh, because of that, right. because everything has been exposed and wow. um, every reader gets to be my accountability partner yeah, for the rest of my is. life. <laughs> wow, that's so good. Hey everyone, I'm cutting in momentarily to make sure you've heard about a friend to the Nothing Is Wasted community who wrote a really great book that just recently released, Deborah Faleda, who was also the guest of episode 101 on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Deborah is an author, counselor, and relationship expert, and her book, Love in Every Season, takes readers on an eye-opening journey through the four seasons of every healthy relationship. After reading her book, you'll be able to better recognize the patterns of each season and understand how to navigate each one with intention, which is vital to the health of your relationships. No matter what your relationship status, get ready to learn everything you need to know about how to strengthen your love in every season. Go to nothingiswasted.com slash love in every season to purchase a copy of Deborah's book now. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash love in every season. Now back to our interview. I want to. I want you to spend some time and talk about um, uh, when this. You know, when you had an affair on your husband. Yeah. Because you referenced it, you kind of were leading into the fact that God needed, um, or you feel like that God needed you to have such a radical encounter with grace. I'm assuming that that statement is in reference to this incident and and then the aftermath of that. Can you just kind of take me on that journey a little bit? Because this is what, this really intrigues me. I think 
based on what you said, I'm, a, I'm, <laughs> I'm assuming your husband's response was mm-hmm. one that really opened up your eyes to the, the father and yes. the grace that he just, just demonstrates to us in our sin. Uh, but yeah. walk me on that journey a little bit. Yeah, you are completely right. That was the undoing of, of me. Mm. <laughs> um, so a part of that, you know, this is what happens when we're in default positions, when we're in mm-hmm. a survival mode or self-preservation. And, and we can, uh, you know, we're a species that is created to survive mm. and, and watch out for number one. And we develop over the course of our life. And that's what I did. And so we just, just things that we gravitate to, to get us out of situations that would cause us pain. Mm. That's in a, in a simple right. sense. And I used, um, I, I told, I said this earlier, I used chaos, busyness, yeah. um, committing to the things of God without uh, really knowing him. So mm. we were super active. And at, at the time, I'm 10 years removed from this whole experience, by the way, but um, at the time, our best friends were leaders with us in the church. We were all on staff. We were in each other's lives constantly, having kids at the same time, mm. um, and sincerely just loved one another mm. and learned how to be married and how to do community and all those churchy words we used yeah. uh, when we were young. And, um, you know, my husband... <laughs> He loves me like crazy, but he did not come from a broken home. Mm. He did not come from uh, a rocky backstory. And there were parts of me that I just felt like I could never really tell him Mm. that he would understand. But my best friend's husband had, had come from Mm. a lot of the similar story. And so uh, we began to connect emotionally. We began to connect on our story and what we'd been through and talking to one another. And then um, he began to notice things about me that Justin didn't seem to notice anymore. And here comes Casey's old self-preservation patterns of looking for in a relationship to fill that gaping um, wound of rejection, abandonment, But here's the thing I want to point out too, and here's the lie I believed, which is the same lie (laughs) Mm -hmm. that we all believe. And it's the delivery from the enemy is the same. It's Mm -hmm. four words. Did God really say? Yeah. That's where it starts. Yeah. That's where it starts every time. So we can look at our life and we can, if we want to know what lie, if we're believing a lie from the enemy, we just say, did our, is there any part of our life where we are saying, did God really say this Mm -hmm. is true? Did God really say this is did God really say that Justin is the one Mm. that I'm supposed to be married to for the rest of my life? Did God really say that if I tell Justin all of these things, he's going to stay and he's not going to leave me the way the other guys have left, you know, so here I go on these patterns and, um, believe this lie. Oh, I so deeply believe the lie that at the end of the day, Justin would reject me. And so I began to live that way. Mm. And, uh, was in an affair with my best friend's husband for three years in the church, in leadership in the church as a Christian. And I, I'm really clear about this in the book because my story is not, I didn't know the Lord, mm-hmm. <laughs> engaged in all this sin. Then I came to know the Lord. My story is I actually was a believer. I knew the Lord. I wanted to know him. I was... Um, reading the Bible. Mm. I was going to church. Okay. So here's what happened. And here's the the arc of the story. I 
could preach grace Mm. and the unconditional love of God all day long to anyone. I could quote scripture and I could stand on a stage and I could raise my hands in worship um, and I could mentor young girls, but I had never believed it for myself. Mm. And what God would do through the undoing of me is he would take every faulty perspective that I had Mm. of him and others and myself, and it would come crashing to the floor. And it did because I'm a believer. I'm a child of God. And he does not allow us to sin successfully. And he would take me to the end of that. And all of that would sift the way that it did for Peter as Jesus is standing there in looking in his face going, Peter, Mm. I'm going to let Satan sift you. That's what I'm going to do. He's asked to sift you like wheat. (laughs) And while he's doing it, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you, Peter, because you know what's going to happen, Peter, at the end of that, you're going to return to a greater faith than you've ever known. Yeah. Yeah. I love this story (laughs) in Luke 22, by the way. I just love that here you've got Jesus knowing fully what's about to go down. Right. And Peter's like, what? (laughs) No, not me. You know, I think if Jesus said that to me, I'd be like, what did what did you tell Satan? <laughs> How did you respond to him? <laughs> did you give him permission? What? Wait a minute. <laughs> yes, totally. And and at first, as you hear that, you kind of go, "Is that right?" You yeah. know, God really did this and let Satan. Do- yeah, and you see this throughout Scripture, mm. um, this loving discipline of of because because here's why: mm. anything that's standing in the way of His promise. That's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't want a father like that? Mm-hmm. Who doesn't want a savior like that? Who doesn't want a lover like that? Anything standing in the way of his promise, yeah. uh-uh. Right. He's going to sift it to the top. Right. And that's what he did through my season of adultery. And then certainly on the other side of that, when it was um, <laughs> barren uh, mm-hmm. wilderness of relationships and mm-hmm. We lived in a really small town at that time, and uh, I was pretty much, you know, scarlet letter, um, mm. ousted from the church kind of thing. And and here's the thing. I don't say that in a sob story. I say that in, um, that is the consequence of sin. And mm. I had felt sorry for my sin in the past, but I had never grieved my sin mm. as an offense against God in a way that broke his heart because he wanted so much more for me. And so um, when my husband felt all of the things that anyone would feel in the face of betrayal, when my husband felt um, completely wrecked and so ticked off, I could use so many words. I'm reining it in so I can keep it a (laughs) PG-13 podcast. Um, He felt all the things you would feel. Uh, if your wife had cheated on you or your husband had cheated on you. And I talked to many uh, men and women in the church who are experiencing that right now. And the spirit completely consumed him. He will be the first to tell you this is Mm. nothing of his own doing. The spirit completely consumed him when I had nothing to offer him. And my hands were not just empty. They were dirty. Mm. And looked at me in the face and this is our big love story and our big aha moment, Mm. which is, he said these exact words to me, uh, Casey, I don't know how to not love you. Mm. Wow. And I will cry 
cry every time and I make no apologies for it. And I cry from stage and I cry on podcast and I wept through the writing of this in the book um, where I go into detail about this moment because it was so radically profound for me. It was not sudden Mm. because healing is not sudden. Um, It was a process Mm. and, but the, but the big moment where God became real is that I finally saw that when every single day we are prostituting ourselves mm-hmm. with something, out with something, we come to Jesus every single day, we wake up with nothing to offer him. Mm-hmm. Truly, our hands are not just empty. They are dirty and, and our hearts are broken sometimes. And we have no language or words to put on what we're experiencing. And in the midst of that, he says to us, I don't know how to not love you. Wow. I thought of you before I put a star in the sky. Mm. I was thinking about you. I was mm. thinking about everything you would be and everything you would endure. And I knew that it would matter forever. Yeah. And I knew that you would not understand everything um, on earth, mm. but one day we will stand and somehow, and I don't know the answer to this yet, somehow it will make Jesus more glorified Mm. for us to have experienced what we have, even the worst of the worst, even the, even evil and sadness and suffering. And for Justin to say that to me, it just finally as a Christian set me free. You know, we talk about freedom in the church all the time. We want to be free. We want to be liberated. But what does that mean? It means you quit talking about grace and you receive it so that you can live it and people can watch you. Yeah, that's great. Stop shoving it down people's throats, what they need to do. Mm. And just show them because you were so vibrant Mm. with the life of Christ that they desire to be around you. Mm. And that's when we start to look like Jesus. And that's when we start to live the gospel out loud truly is to receive this place for ourselves. But man, we got to get to the end of ourselves. Yeah. Wow. What I love about what you just shared is that, you know, and I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before, but so forgive me, listener, if you're listening to this, you're like, you've already talked about this. But one of the things I love about Jesus is that he is the best teacher there is. And teachers have different methods and, and there's an old adage and communication adage. Um, maybe you've heard this before, Casey, but if you, um, if you, uh, tell somebody they're going to hear it, if you illustrate it for them, they'll understand it. If you show them, like walk them in a journey, then they'll remember it. And so they kind of tell you the best form of teaching is kinesthetic teaching or, or adapting yes. to kinesthetic learning styles that are taking people on a journey to literally show them how, you know, and so they have kind of that aha moment. Yes. And I, I love in Isaiah 30, it calls Jesus the teacher, the big T teacher, that he will, in the midst of your trial, he will reveal himself. He will not hide himself yes. anymore. And his teaching method, <laughs> fortunately... Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, <laughs> is kinesthetic. Yeah. And he shows, I mean, you see this with like the prophets, you know, God comes to the prophet and says, I have a message for the people. So here's what you're going to do, Hosea. You're going to yeah. take Gomer back after she's, and it's going to illustrate this thing to my people that is showing them the, the depth and the breadth of mm-hmm. my love for them and my grace yes. that I extend. And no matter how far they try to run, 
I'm going to continue to run after them and beat down the doors and bring them back into the fold. That's my favorite, oh, my favorite and, story. Yeah. And you're, you know, the re, you're, you know this grace now. You know yeah. it, not because you like read it in the Bible, which is a good start. It's definitely how we learn the truth, but you are, you have experienced it. And then now for you to kind of be that for somebody else so that they can in turn experience it in the same way that, that you have, it becomes this. I love that you say that. Yeah. yeah. Well, right. it, it's, it's so hopeful. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's really our hope in this world. Hmm. Every day we got to get up and we've got to choose it again. Yeah. And so if I, if me telling my story and believe me, I get plenty of blowback hmm. and I get criticism for sharing too much and we're not enough or whatever. Um, I'm always like, I'm working this out too, you know? Yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> doing the best I can here. Uh, well, uh, no, for the record, I, mean, I love I your authenticity. I love it. I think you're, you. and it's exactly what you said earlier. You said, you know what? There all these readers are my accountability partners now. Well, yeah, guess what? Yeah. Guess what? Yeah, you know, I feel really good about life. Yeah, yeah, you're free. You're living free because of that. You're not trying to hide anything. And as long as we keep trying to hide stuff, as long as we have these compartments of our lives that are hidden or that are in the dark, then... You know, the enemy, can, has, he has a playground there. He's able to get a foothold and a stronghold and then boom. Yes. Hmm. Yes, because, I mean, th- think about the way that we're wired to work just physiologically. We are meant to. And so how do you get over a lie or how do you have a new belief? Because I mm-hmm. did believe something. It was true to me. And and that's the difference when you have an experience like you're talking about mm-hmm. that teaches us something that it's experiential. I mean, that is the best way to learn. It's the best way to parent. Yeah. It's the best way to be in a marriage and in a church um, is that we are picking up this you know, from one another, that we're constantly learning from other people, that we have a place default in us that can be wrong mm. about something all the time, and that we're willing to be wrong. Um, and I just think that's such, I'm learning that it's just a beautiful place to be yeah. because it allows me to be the most integrated. Like, who am I, who am I trying to be? Well, I'm trying to be every single day, I want to be faithful, mm. really. You know, I just want to trust God. I want to trust God in every scenario. From the small things like how many loads of laundry I need to do <laughs> to big decisions like right. a move or a job right. or a really difficult person that I really want to be done with, but he mm. just keeps putting me on. Okay, so I want to trust God. Well, how am I going to do that? I'm going to do that if the world stops revolving around me. Mm. And as long as it is just about all that's happening outside of me, the external things. I'm just going to be in this reactive state all the time. I'm never going to be able to take in information and have it be and think about it and be self-aware and say, okay, this is, I'm experiencing this message or I'm experiencing this person. And why am I thinking the way that I'm feeling about it? Uh, And let myself have 10 seconds to take it in and then make a response from that place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That is maturity, right? That's maturity for all of us. Right. Uh, it lo- it looks just like that, you know, and that response time, <laughs> it, it lengthens over mm-hmm. the course of our maturity mm-hmm. as we grow up, as we read the word of God, as though it is true of us and yeah. not waiting on us. Boom. Yeah. I mean, tweet <laughs> that the word of God is true. It is not waiting on us right. to get ourselves together. 
it is already true. So when you go to the word of God, you read it that way. Yeah. This is true. He's not waiting to fix you. Mm. He is waiting to tell you what has always been real of you. That's so good. And it is, oh, I love to read wow. the word that way. It changes wow. everything. And then you have a whole experience mm-hmm. of everything. Mm-hmm. You have a whole experience in your brain. Now I can make a new belief because my right brain is talking to my left brain. Mm-hmm. And I have a contextual experience and I have a logical experience that are talking in the middle. That's great. um, Which doesn't happen when you're in self-preservation or Mm. I need to figure out what's best for me in this mode. Nope. You're only in one side. You've got a place that's shut down in the middle versus now. Okay. If I'm able to slow down and really Mm. think about how I've responded in the past and how I want to do it differently now and what God says is true of me in this moment, Mm then now I can respond from truth Wow! and not blame, not blame somebody else, not uh, hide out. I don't have to hide out. Guess what? I don't have to hide out because I can be wrong. Guess I can fail you. I can completely (laughs) miss the mark and I'm still going to get up tomorrow and I'm still going to stand in the grace and the hope of who Jesus says that I am. Mm, Man, that's Um, so good. Um, Casey, I, we haven't even really gotten to this battle with cancer that you that you faced. Um, and so maybe we'll do this in another conversation. We'll kind yeah, of dive into that. We'll have another one. Fine. We'll talk about that. Because yeah, I'm really, I, I really am curious about this statement you made earlier. And I want you to unpack it a little bit. You you talked about how we're not supposed to forget the past, but alluding to even the fact that maybe our, our past is kind of the raw material or the building blocks that that set up this redemptive future. And, and this is really where you're taking this message, nothing wasted. This is what we talk about quite a bit with nothing with the podcast is there is a beautiful tapestry that God is creating of your redemptive future, but it involves your past. And so to completely forget your past doesn't do God justice as the artist. Can you right. unpack this a little bit, even in terms of like with your story and how have you seen this play out? Yeah. What do you mean by this? Don't forget your past, but <laughs> yeah. you know. Yes. Oh, I love that you brought this up. I think this is um, the the crux of the book and and what's going to change the game. I hope for so mm. many people. Um, and step on the toes for a few people. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that God is using the natural resource of who we are. Mm. If everything is intentional, then nothing's been unintentional. Nothing's been meaningless. Nothing is random. We are not just all out here fluttering by mutating cells. No, we are eternal beings. We are meant to live forever. And I always think, you know, to forget, we never forget. We always get up and we remember, we remember Eden. You know, Mm -hmm. we remember this state of being that, is totally, completely satisfied Mm. in, in our eternal position. And there's something about the integration of our past with our present, with our future that allows us to align with that place. Mm. So if, and it also makes sense. It just makes sense as a counselor who I have 20 years of studying the brain and how Mm. we work and how it physiologically, um, our bodies and science, all they do is prove the Bible. They just prove <laughs> the Bible. I love, yep. <laughs> oh, that's what, it's yes. So God has been saying this all along. Yeah. He's, like, well, I'm he's, glad you guys caught up with this one. Way to go. Yeah. 
Yes, yes. And this is why, you know, ultimately, you know, um, self-reflection is great and self-help and self-love. I mean, really, but you just keep looking inside yourself. You need, you're not going to land on anything. You Mm -hmm. need something greater than yourself. Um, But then if you just see God as this random, you know, seemingly over here responsive being, that, that that doesn't give me any hope. That yeah. doesn't give me any purpose. So what if God is exactly who he says he is? <laughs> and what if he has ordained and predestined and predetermined every single event of our life to bring others to him, mm. to bring him ultimate glory? No. Does it make sense to us all the time? No. Is it painful a lot of the time? Absolutely. Mm. Um, but is it bringing him glory? And bringing people to know a love that can satisfy their innermost being, yes. Mm. Um, and so I just I walk people through this a lot. I wrote a Bible study curriculum to go with the book, mm. so that readers can have a space to go through their all their relationships, do some inventory yeah. on their behaviors, talk through um, their thoughts, pat their thought patterns, and really start to look at the blueprint yeah. of their life and the roadmap that you get now I'm going into my forties and I can go, Hey, mm. this is awesome. I don't have to do everything. Right. I don't have to be every person to everybody. Right. I don't have to do every, um, you know, task that I think I need to do. I don't have to earn somebody's approval. Yeah. I really can reflect and think about um, what God has been doing in me since I was six years old mm. and seven years old. And why would that happen? Why would I be in a chaotic home life where um, my family was broken and I was uh, influenced by alcoholism and set up on this course to um, go through experience of rape and then be someone who was from that se- sexually promiscuous. And then why, why in the world would all that, well, you know where I'm most comfortable mm-hmm. right now as a 40 year old woman in the prison, mm-hmm. in the prison, wow. my girls are in the prison and that is my lane yeah. and we, they get it and I get them. And that doesn't mean that, you know, everybody needs to be there, but that mm-hmm. is where, they can say the worst case scenario to my face. They can cuss me out uh, with every word you want to think of. And they can tell me the worst thing, mm. you know, that they've done. And I'm going to stand there <laughs> and take it yeah, and not be faced by it. Cause I'm like, girl, I know wow. I felt the same way or I experienced the same thing. And, and I just find so much meaning and purpose there and have been able to narrow that down um, to just see clearly what God has called me to do. Yeah. Me, Casey, Van Norman, not every, I mean, everybody is that's listening has got to do that research and work and mm-hmm. inventory on themselves. But I say that just to say, no, he's using the actual resource from your life to do a new thing. He's not taking somebody yeah. else's story or taking some, you know, brick and mortar from the other side right. of town. He is right in your home using all the things to tie them in, like you said, tapestry to this beautiful work that he is doing. So we really can trust him. Yeah. Really can trust him with what he set us up for. Wow. Man, that's so great. Casey, this has just been an incredible conversation. I just love hearing from you. This is awesome. You just like spew this wisdom. This is so this is so great and so helpful. And I mean, I I honestly 
I say this a lot, but I mean like, I mean this in the most genuine way that I possibly, we could sit here and talk about this for hours. I don't think we've even scratched the surface on your life and your story and Mm. your, but you know, the listeners going to have to write or go read your book and they're going to have to get into (laughs) a little bit more of this storyline that you let them in on. And so, man, it's just, this has just been, yeah, this has been an honor. The book is called Nothing Wasted. It, that's not that's not difficult to remember. So you guys are definitely gonna need to go pick up this book. It just it just released here pretty recently. And Casey, where can we follow more of what you do? Are you on social media, website? What 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 can our listeners yeah, go to? Yeah, yeah. You can go to nothingwastedbook.com to okay. find the book. And then of course my website is caseyvannorman.com. And uh, I use my Instagram platform at Casey Van Norman to embarrass my family frequently with funny <laughs> videos and gorilla costumes. So you're welcome to check that out. Oh, that's awesome. Well. <laughs> <laughs> that's so great. Well, Casey, this, this is, this has been awesome. I'm so glad that we were able to, to meet and have this conversation. Yeah, I look too. forward to other conversations as well. Um, and, and so I'm really just thank grateful. You. Thank you for what you do to just point us all mm. to truth and hope. And so, so deeply grateful mm. for this opportunity. Means a lot to me. Thank you. Absolutely. Oh, that episode was so good. Man. Man. There are those people that you like meet. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't meet Casey, but I feel like if I did meet her, we would be friends. Oh, you, like yeah, I listened to her story. I'm like, oh, she is my people. Yeah, absolutely. She is my people. Yeah. Um, one thing that she said that I really loved, especially as I was listening to her story, is she said, and I think what I loved about it is she said it with such assurance and confidence that God mm. uses our resources. Mm. And in my life, when I have done something, when I have been the one, like, it's yeah. easy for me to talk about my pain right. that's been inflicted on me. Right. It's really, really hard for me to be, and to be transparent yeah, about that. Right. I have so many people like, I love your transparency. Well, that, I can be yeah, transparent about that yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. But when I'm talking about what I have done, mm. it is so excruciatingly yeah, painful so and hard. Wow. Um, and it's hard for me to accept God's grace in that, mm. in those moments. And I don't feel like I deserve yep. for God to use my resources. Yeah, wow. But so for her to say with such assurance and conviction and just certainty, I mean, her story mm. really blessed me. And it's one that I'm going to be listening to because I really struggle with that. Yeah. Well, you know, we talk about quite often that there's, you know, two categories of pain. And that is the pain that is inflicted upon you and then mm-hmm. the pain that you inflict on yourself. Yeah. Right? And so we try to help people avoid the pain that you inflict on yourself. Right. Um, but we all have stories. We all have a past. Yep. We all we all have all made mistakes. Yeah. We're all fa- we have all fallen short. Mm-hmm. And what I love about what you're saying is that no matter if your past is um, full of things that have been done to you or things that you have done. Right. Uh, a friend of mine, Ken Roberts, who's been on the, the podcast, he says, your past is the raw material that God uses to write your redemption story. Oh, I love that. That he's he's always he's going to take all this stuff. And we talked about at the beginning. He's going to take mm-hmm. all this stuff and he's going to put it together, mm-hmm. work it together 
to do something profound in and through you. Yeah. And um, you're right. The fact that like, I mean, scripture tells us that everything we need for life and godliness has been like, it's in us mm-hmm. uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. That The Holy Spirit has given because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And now we have the Holy Spirit when we receive the you know salvation mm-hmm. that he made available to us. It's there already. Yeah. And so God will use those those resources we're not proud of, and he matches them up with the stuff the Holy Spirit can do, and boom. Yep, yep. And it just goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning of yep. the episode. Nothing is Nothing wasted. Nothing is wasted. That's right. That's right. Well, we want to thank Sleeping at Last for uh, not wasting his talent <laughs> and right. giving us some beautiful music that we can all enjoy. Um, so th- thank you, Ryan. You can download his music. Any word music can be downloaded and streamed. Just search Sleeping at Last. And make sure to listen to his Enneagram stuff. It's really, really good. Have you listened to his six? I have six? not. Oh, Maria. Good. I'm so glad. I love being able to like evangelize sleeping at last Did Enneagram. you notice my ears yeah, perked you, up you right when like, you said Wait a Enneagram? Enneagram. He has, what? what? Hold on a yep. second. Yes. Yep. So just so that you know and the listener knows, he has written a song for every Enneagram type. Okay. And you will, this is how you know that you are that Enneagram type. You will listen to the song. And it just will you totally will, resonate. You will weep. Okay. He like speaks to your heart. Like all the other songs, you're like, oh yeah, okay, whatever. But you listen to your type, it'll be like, <laughs> oh, he, he gets me. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> the best. So Sleeping at Last, make sure you go and listen to that. And uh, next week, we have a conversation with someone I'm really excited about having mm. a conversation with. Uh, he's been one of my heroes, so to speak, ever since I read awesome. his uh, one. I don't know if it's his first book, but his first book that became really pop. No, In a Pit with the Lion on the Snowy Day was the first book that became popular. Then he wrote Circle Maker. Uh-huh. You've been That's telling me I need to read that this. Just blew my world up. Mm-hmm. So next week we have a conversation with Mark Batterson. And I'll give you a clue in on this. We were able to stray away from the script with him. It was so great and talk about pain and suffering and hardship mm. and it's awesome. So listen to this little clip from uh, my conversation with Mark Batterson. You know, when I was 30 years old, my intestines ruptured actually while I was preaching on a Sunday morning oh, wow. and I walked out doubled over in pain and uh, after an MRI, about 12 hours later, realized that I was uh, my body was going into shock from sepsis because it was poisoning itself, and uh, went into emergency surgery. Spent two days on a respirator, have about a 14-inch scar, which uh, uh, actually gives me the illusion of a two-pack. If we're being <laughs> honest with each other, you know, it kind of it, it uh, blessing in disguise. It, there you go. <laughs> yeah. It uh, might not be a six pack, but it's a two pack. Uh, and, uh, you know, I would look back and say that that was the worst day of my life. I lost mm-hmm. 25 pounds in a week. Uh, it really cost me a year of my life in terms of time and energy and multiple surgeries. I also look back on it. I wouldn't want to go through it again, mm-hmm. but I would also call it one of the best days of my life. 